0: You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information, visit us at www.redwoodbaptist.org. We are currently in a series entitled, God Friends. We continue in our series entitled, God Friends. and uh, I heard uh, that the Lord used last week's uh, message. Children, you may be dismissed if you uh, are going to go to the class there uh, of the last week on how uh, God intended for us to uh, to have uh, companionship. And uh, my prayer is uh, that uh, this morning as we uh, just it's just a 3 week mini series and uh, that God would uh, give you uh, what you need this morning I hope that your heart is hungry uh, to hear and to learn from the word and uh, I'm thankful that uh, you give me the the privilege of preaching it to you. I I don't take it lightly. Um, I uh, I want you to know that it's it's a delight uh, to be your pastor and uh, thank you for uh, remembering our eighth anniversary uh, last week and uh, Sarah and I uh, were just talking this week about how it's literally apart from our salvation probably apart from maybe our marriage to one another and our children uh, it is the highlight of our life uh, to serve you and uh, I don't take it lightly and uh, thank you for the privilege to uh, to bring the Word and preach to you this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1 of Ephesians chapter number 4. If I told you one, I'm sorry, I'm all over the map this morning. Please forgive me. I was dealing with something right before I preached, and that's I never do that. I kind of get locked and loaded, the same thing always, and uh, so please forgive me. Ephesians 4, uh, verse number 1, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all, but unto every one of you of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. This morning, I want to preach a message entitled "Our Game Plan for Healthy Friendships." What is a game plan that you and I can have? Last week, I tried to show you from the Word of God, kind of a we went to a bunch of different texts of how you and I we ought to have kind of gospel centric friends and friendships in our life kind of gave that plug last week that that it is it's so vital and so important for you we're having a little trouble with the uh, with our app getting the messages on there so I apologize but they are on through the website so if you didn't get last week's I highly recommend you hit the website this week and uh, listen to last week's uh, message and I just want to kind of what is our what is our game plan for Building healthy, biblical, gospel-centered type of friends, and uh, my desire is uh, that before this morning is over, we can we can take something away from this morning and begin to apply it uh, this week in our life. Let's let's ask the Lord one more time uh, to uh, to bless this time before the before His Word, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we can open up the pages of Your Word, or that we have some form of an app, love technology, and how. Every moment of any day, it seems like we can get into your word if we so choose and take the time to. And God, these are your, these are your very words written to us. And Father, I pray that as we uh, this week have uh, studied them and have gleaned truth, and Lord, it is my desire to uh, share with our people uh, what you've placed upon my heart. And uh, God, I'm thankful that you go before me. And, 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 the, and you're already working. Lord, where there's fears and anxieties in my heart and in my life, uh, this morning that uh, lord you're already uh, working and your angel armies are already um working on, on on your words behalf and lord i pray that we would bind the devil and his demons and all of his powers from this place and so that your holy spirit and his power can have free reign in our lives and we pl- pray all this in jesus's precious name amen i wonder if you can think of when the last time you were let down by a good friend Or when the last time you felt misunderstood or maybe even entirely unheard. Or when the last time you struggled to resolve a conflict and simply just agreed to disagree. Uh, Sometimes I've got situations like that. It's like, all right, hey, we are never going to agree on this. For example, like, you know, who's the uh, better football team in the NFL? There's just some things that I just, we will agree to disagree. Right, Mike Florendo? Okay, yeah. Okay, So we just agree to disagree on things, and maybe you can uh, think of a time like that, or when the last time you felt betrayed, or maybe even used, or when the last time you questioned if the friendship was even worth it at all, chances are you can probably answer maybe one of those questions or several of those questions with last week, (laughs) maybe yesterday, or even within the last hour. You know, regardless of how long you have been friends, and no matter how much you have been through together, your friendships can and never really will escape the disappointment that is caused by the power of self-centeredness, the power of a uh, a me-first type of relationship or the damaging effects of sin. There are no relationships that are outside of the walls of what I just tried to introduce this message and describe. And so I must be honest with you. There are times when I want to go by my own island, and I want to live in complete isolation away from people. Because people can hurt. People can cause heartache. But then we know that there's great joy that is also found in friendships and we talked greatly about that last week. And we also learned last week that God designed you and God designed me to live in community. Genesis 2 verse 28 or verse 18 says, and the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone; I will make him an help meet for him." And you got to understand that that statement is broader than just the marital relationship between a man and a woman. It's broader than that. It applies to God's design, His original design for all of humanity. God created Adam from you know the dust of the earth, and it wasn't good that he was all alone. Course. And then God, of course, took uh, from Adam, from the rib, and he created Eve, breathed life into both of them. And so we know that the direct interpretation would be, of course, a relationship between a man and a woman. But the overarching reality is that you and I were created to live in a community. That word, help me, we said last week, is not just defining a woman as a co-worker or something like that. No, it it brings the idea of a companion. Someone to walk through life with. And you have people, or you ought to have, many, many people in your life like that. We learned last week that God created us to live with companions because God is a social God. Living in community within the Trinity. As the Father, the Son, the Son. And the spirit and so you and I created in His image, created in that form of a likeness. you and I are created with the with the need for an appetite for friends with an appetite for companions and uh, maybe we all we, we all long for maybe one of those command companions to be our life's mate. but in general you were created with a need and a desire for friends. Even God commands it. Jesus in His high priestly prayer was praying that you and I would enjoy this type of union, this fellowship one with another. In His high priestly prayer in John 17, He says, Neither pray I for these alone, just His disciples that would have been there, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. They were getting ready to go preach the word, that they all may be one, as Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. Verse 22, And the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. That literally, it's a whole month's worth of messages, literally on His high priestly prayer. But what I want you to take out of those few short verses for the application this morning would be that Jesus Christ's desire in His prayer to the Father And God commands that you and I, that we live with one another, that we have these deep, abiding, lasting friendships to live in isolation. Which sometimes I say that I want when things go a little awry in relationships and friendships. It's to reject God's ownership over our lives. But it also denies our fundamental human hardwiring. And so we must continue to pursue friendships with others. And here can I encourage you, don't do it begrudgingly. Don't do it out of fear. Don't do it out of, oh, this is, you know, this is, this is what I have to do. Instead, you and I, hey, let's pursue friendships with joy because there's practical help offered in the Word of God. Let's pursue friendship with joy, not, not out of fear, because there's divine grace available for our specific struggles. Let's pursue this morning and and, in weeks to come friendships with joy because there's beautiful blessings to experience when you and I have a gospel-centered Bible fellowship with one another and when it's realized. And so there's many passages in the Bible that offer help to our relationships, that offer help to uh, our friendships and like companions that we have uh, in our life. But one of my favorites is our text. It's, uh, it's Ephesians 4, which we're going to spend this week as well as next week. And so this morning, just in the, in the first seven verses, we see, we see a, couple, a couple trademarks that are hopefully going to be found in your friendships and in your relationships. And uh, they ought to be, uh, if you want a healthy and growing and gospel-centered biblical friendship, this is what it'll have. Number one, we ought to be working hard we ought to be working hard. The apostle Paul tells us that that friendships that they're not something that we should ever take for granted. They are, they are gifts that are to be managed with great care. It tells us in verse number 3, "endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace." Endeavoring. You're 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 working at it. You are in the midst of the struggle of this trying to keep the unity uh, that is amongst us. Now, obviously, the direct application, interpretation of this text would be to a church, but we have a broader application to our relationships this morning. And Paul, he wasn't naive about the hard work that relationships require. He knows that relationships, even among people who have the Spirit, who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, that it's not going to be easy. The person to your right, the person to your left, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, the people in your family, the people in this church, it's not always easy. It's going to be work. Now I realize that we live in a lazy society. People don't want to work today. People want a free handout at every turn. And yet if you and I want to have a healthy, strong relationship, even in the spirit, it's going to take some endeavoring. It's going to take some, it's going to take some working. Now, you and I, we need to remember that you and I, the power of sin's been broken, okay? It does no longer has, if you know Christ, no longer is there power of that sin in you. However, the presence of it still remains. You and I, we still have the flesh. And so considering both of those facts, that the power of that sin has been removed from you, but the presence, you still kind of dabble with it. We still dabble with it. I'm not alone in that, okay? There's still the, there's still the struggle and the grind of our life. Then you and I should be eager to work hard to develop and to grow our friendships, knowing that sin is so easily can creep in amongst our relationships. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm deeply persuaded that the number one reason friendships fail is because of neglect. Sure, you and I might experience some tragic, um, you know, uh, you know, big, big moment betrayal. You might be able to look back and say, hey, you know what, that friendship died because there was this massive amount of hurt that was brought in with something said or done. But most times what happens in friendships is they erode due to drip, 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 drip. A little sin here, a little word there, and it's never dealt with. Instead, we shy away from people that might say something or might do something small and so it's never dealt with and if we're not careful what'll happen is is no one's taking care of the leak and then the friendship over time because no one's willing to work at it begins to dissipate in america over 50% of christian or non-christian marriages end in divorce and you know what you have you know what they find in those that the vast majority of them are not because of a cause of one catastrophic event. However, there are some of those. You know what most of them are from? Drip, 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 drip. I'm not willing to work at it here. I'm not willing to work at it here. This is said. This is done. Listen to me. You ready for this? I will offend you. And you will offend me. If we spend any length of time together, if we do life together, if we have communions, if you guys will get together and we'll have some of these checkpoints together, listen, we will naturally offend one another. And if you and I are willing to never work at those things, if we're never willing to say, hey, hey, I'm sorry, hey, you know what, something that you said or something that you did, if we're never willing to work, then guess what? Our relationships just tend to dissipate. Week in, week out, of just little things here and there. Let me ask you a question. Are you eagerly working? Are you endeavoring to work and to develop your friendships? See, I preached last week to teach you how much you need it. You're hardwired for it. You were created to live in a community. God even gives us that the community in the, in the Trinity of the Father. Are you expecting the relationship just to grow itself? Okay. So what happens is, is we need to get out of we need to get out of the way and we need to uh, sometimes allow the Lord to work. You know what I'd encourage you to do maybe this week? Why don't you take some time this week to send an encouraging text or an email? Take some time to do that. Why don't you nurture that friendship a little bit? Why don't you you reach out and say, hey, hey, I'm praying for you. Why don't you call your friend on your lunch break instead of going through Facebook? Ah! I know i oh man, did I ever just take a shot? Put that on the internet. Okay? Hey, why don't you instead? I, I'm not against Facebook, okay? I've had one now for eight months. Ching, ching, ching. I was never against it before. I just was like, eh, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to do that. Okay? But why don't we just spend some time? Why, why don't we call somebody? Why don't we text somebody? Hey, hey, it's work. That lunch break, I know, I know. We'd rather just totally disconnect. I get it. We'd rather just, oh, let's just, let's just surf some social media. No, no, no. Why don't you put that down? I don't mean you have to do that every single day, but put it down someday this week. And why don't you think, hey, let me send someone a text. I got a text this week from someone in our church. I will tell you what, it lit my day on fire. And they're in here, and they're just now learning of it, of what it did for me. Wow. I'm telling you. God wants to do that through you and in your life and in your every day. It's wonderful. Get up early. Stay up late. Put aside a hobby for an hour or so and have more time in a day to dedicate to a friendship. Now, I'm afraid that many of us, including me, sometimes I just get too lazy and self-oriented to invest the time that is important for friendships that God has placed in our lives to grow and to flourish. We okay? Number one, hey, we're going to have to be working at it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some hard, hard work. Ready for number two? Number two, we're going to have to be removing expectations. We're going to have to be removing expectations. Now, because of the nature of sin, each of us enter into a friendship with a self-centered agenda. Okay? What can this person do for me? tends to be the default position that so many people live in, okay? Hey, listen, this can happen to all of us, all right? We can be in the middle of a series on friends, and we can be thinking that it's for the other people. No, 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 no. Ryan Johnson, this series on friends is for moi right here. And so if I'm not careful, and I can spend some of my week and thinking, yeah, okay, well, that person wasn't a very good friend. No, 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 Hey, you can only change you, Right? So you need to start removing some of your expectations, Ryan, and then maybe even you. So by God's grace, we can remove these selfish expectations and we can begin to ask, how can I be used by God to bless them? When oftentimes we'll enter into a friendship, how can they bless me? What do they offer me? How can I be better off with this friendship? And so this text it lists a couple characteristic qualities that honestly should define our lives and they should define your lives. And they are, you know, characteristics like humility and gentleness and patience. Now, we're going to look at uh, some, some of the actual biblical words here in the text, but, and forbearance. It kind of, these are, these are great characteristics to have. And with each and every one of them, I'm going to point us to Christ here in a moment. But look what it says in verse number two, with all lowliness. It's another word for humility and meekness. Another word for gentleness and long-suffering or patience and forbearing one another in love. You know what our friends need? Our friends need us to be lowly, humble. They need us to be meek, gentle. They need us to be patient. And they need us to be forbearing here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ didn't just die for our past sins. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ didn't just die to provide forgiveness for our past and our future sins. I'm thankful that he did do that. But I'm thankful that's not the only thing that Jesus was doing. Jesus Christ was also walking this earth so that you and I can have some victory in these areas. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he what humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross I'm thankful that Jesus Christ was dying for our lowliness was dying for our ability to be humble. Christ did not just die for your future hope, okay? He died so in this broken world that is surrounded with flawed people in difficult moments, you could live a humble life. Man, you and I, listen, Jesus Christ is not just our example. If Jesus Christ is only your example, good luck, your life's gonna be miserable because you're never gonna measure up. But Christ is more than your example. Christ is your substitute. Christ came and lived, and now His Spirit, if you know Christ as your Savior, lives within you. And so now you and I have the ability in all the moments of life with fallen people, with broken people, okay, with relationships that will never be perfect. Oh, aren't you glad you came to church today? You will have the ability to remain humble to remain lowly so that there might be unity in that relationship. He shed his blood for it. He died on the cross for it. And you and I, we're to, we're to live from the gospel. We're to live from this reality. You're to walk worthy of this vocation. Literally, you're walk, to walk worthy of the gospel that has been instilled in you in Jesus Christ. Humble, that's a great characteristic to have when you are dealing with relationships, okay? Remove the expectations. Instead, you be the one that is the lowly one, the humble one. Let me give you another one. How about meekness? Meekness, that's in the text there, okay? Verse number two. Meekness or, um, you know, or, or, or gentleness. Now, there's no, there's no more beautiful picture of meekness. Or in other words, a more gentleness than Jesus, than the ultimate pastor, the ultimate shepherd who is Jesus, the ultimate Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, they prophesied of Him in in Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So He opened not His mouth. I wonder if that describes much of what we do. Oftentimes when hardship comes our way, you know what we do? We lash out. We are gonna we're gonna get even. And yet Christ, Christ died for us so that we wouldn't have to, so that you and I can live in this gentle way. The Lamb of God did not argue in his own defense. The Lamb of God who was willing to suffer so that in moments when he is calling you to be gentle, you can be. Substitutionary for you and for me. You and I, we have. Everything that we need in Jesus. I, I, man, I, we look at this verse so often uh, here at Redwood. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through the lust. You and I, we can be different because we have that new nature we can be different because we have Christ. Listen, we don't have to always get even. We don't have to always get in the last word with our relationships. No, no, no. We can be meek. We can be gentle. Because Christ helped us through that. Everything we need to live a God-honoring life in this situations, locations and relationships which he has sovereignly placed us is already yours in christ you don't have to wait for hope you already have it christ is residing in you and you and i have the very power the very ability to enter into that relationship where it's going drip 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 and you don't have to wait for them to fix anything don't have any expectations instead you advance humbly and you advance gently and then the third attribute there in that Text is long suffering. Or, in other words, patience. I'll be honest with you, there could be no greater example of patience than the story of redemption. It's amazing that a holy God in patient love, what he's willing to live with. Year after year after year, century after century, kingdom after kingdom, we saw a long suffering. God, who never compromised this truth, prophet after, prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, what would they say? They would basically say the same thing. Long-suffering, patient, loving God. Jesus in patience was willing to walk for 33 and a half years, subjecting himself to something so deeply beneath him that no king of kings and no Lord of lords should ever have to submit themselves to. And yet He was willing to be patient on our behalf. Willing to endure. So that all that you're going to be called to do, so that in every moment of your relationships, in this broken, fallen world, that you can be patient with. So that you don't have to be always looking for the door. We're going to be talking about that here in a moment. And then it comes to forbearance. Forbearance. Essentially, It's another form of patience, but it it gives the idea of you're patient when you're provoked. You know, like if you might have a brother or a sister that they kind of know how to push your buttons, or you might have a spouse, I don't want to go there, okay, that your spouse just knows right how to push your buttons, okay? Patient under provocation or when you are provoked. That's what the word forbearance means. Again, every moment of when Jesus was mocked, when he was... (laughs) Can you imagine being Jesus being mocked? I mean, you hate being mocked. I'm not pointing at you. I'm just saying you generally, okay? You all hate being mocked, right? I hate being mocked. I can't stand when people mock me. And yet, Jesus was mocked. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was spit upon. Jesus was called all sorts of things and blasphemed about We see it in Isaiah 53 again. We'll pick that up. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did to see him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Everything he did let this rattle you, was substitutionary for you. Everything. Don't just think of the actual forgiveness that you find in Christ. But think of that the Gospel is the very tracks with which your life runs on. Everything was substitutionary. He did it all for you. Christ was achieving a righteousness for you. What is required of God is a perfect righteousness. And so Christ, at every single point of His life, He was tempted at all points like as we are. He knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be in relationships. He knows what it's like for the lack of peace to be surrounding by Him. And He walked this life, all 33 years, 33 and a half years, for you, he was achieving, so to speak, the, the the requirement to enter into heaven. The righteousness. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made, hallelujah, the righteousness of God in Him. It was all for you. It was all for me. He was achieving power for you so that you and I could Advance into our relationships. Advance into our friendships. And have what it takes in Christ to continue. Each of these, humility, patience, gentleness, forbearance, each of those will create a climate of grace that transforms our friendships. Typically, relationships are governed by a structure of law, offense, and punishment. In other words, I have a set of rules. And you know what? I'm watching you carefully, my friends, and if you begin to break those rules, guess what? There's going to be punishment. I'm no longer going to talk to you. That's like what little kids do, right? Oh, but we do it in like a far more grown-up way. We like spiritualize it. Why? Because you're... Not meeting my expectations. And since you're not meeting my expectations of my self-centered way of looking, what a friend, man, how I feel the conviction in you right now. Allow the spirit to do the work he wants to do. When he doesn't meet our self-centered expectations, then we begin to punish that person because our relationship's not based on grace. Our relationship is based on the law. And so I'll be honest with you, this is a flagrant contradiction of the Gospel. Okay? And it prevents the glory and worth of God's grace that is being shown through Christ in us. Let me ask you, what, all of, what, do, what do we all deserve? Eternal punishment, right? And yet God sends His Son Christ to restore that relationship. Wow. Look what Christ went through. What? So that you and I can be reconciled with God Great lengths were gone to so that you and I can enjoy once again a fellowship with our Creator. So, where are you expecting to be served by your friend? How do you punish your friend when they do not meet your expectations? Man, no wonder it's hard to be a friend with me. Man, this is how I'm treating you. Man, no wonder. If I got all these expectations, I got so, so, I got so much pressure on your shoulders, and sometimes you don't even know about it. All of a sudden, you'd be like, "Man, where'd that friendship go?" Well, it's because you didn't meet my. I'm speaking somewhat hypothetically, but also I know there's a reality sometimes of this in my life. But if by grace we can begin to remove the selfish expectations that we had at the beginning of our friendships, then we begin to be freed up to love and to serve with humility, gentleness patience even when we're being provoked. We okay? All right? So it's hard work. It's hard work. Number 2, and you got to you, you got to be removing the expectations. And then can I say thirdly here? Thirdly, we need to be celebrating diversity. Celebrating diversity. The Bible celebrates and advocates diversity among the body of Christ. We see In the future, John is telling us in Revelation 7, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of every nation and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. You and I, listen to what I'm about to say. I should have put this up on the screen, but I didn't. You and I should pursue unity, but not conformity. You and I should pursue unity, but not necessarily everyone has to be conformed or uniformity. Okay? That means that you ought to have Christian friends who do not share your skin color. You ought to have friends that do not share your economic status. You ought to have friends that share different cultural preferences, or maybe even political preferences. There ought to be a beautiful diversity of your friendships and the way that you do things. Listen, you ought to have some friends that view some hot topics a little bit differently than you do. Do you realize that not every one of your friends has to Love the same type of food that you love? Say amen to that. Man, I had some slamming carne asada like yesterday. woo If you don't like carne asada, hey, I'm sorry. I do. Okay? You ought to have some friends. You ready for this hot topic? You ready? Can you handle this? Don't put this on the Internet, Nick, okay? You ought to have some friends. That view musically diff- music differently than you do. You ought to have some friends that dress differently than you do. You notice what I'm wearing today? You notice what I wore last week? Last week I wore a suit. I wore a suit coat and pants. This week oh, I didn't need to. I chose to to prove a point. There ought to be some diversity in you. I'm not going to wear this every week. But if Mike wants to, go ahead, just give you free reign. He's like, yes. He's super happy. But listen, you and I, oftentimes what happens is, is we put God in a box. And when we put God in it, mean, we're in some uncomfortability in here right now. This is great. I love it. Sometimes what we do is we put God in a box. And we add all sorts of different kinds of things. Uh, Brother Al is originally from Pennsylvania. And I listened to his pastor from Pennsylvania preach last week. And he talked about how sometimes, you know, God will give us just kind of clear requirements. But then what we do is we add all kinds of extra million things to the millionth degree to help us keep what God actually said we should keep. And if we're not careful, when it comes to our friends, moving on because it's a little too thick in here right now, when it comes to our friends, what it is is we put our friends in boxes. Okay, so when it comes to the context of Ephesians 4, this passage, Paul is clearly writing more about our spiritual differences. I, allude, I, I totally understand that. We have varying gifts, and uh, we, serve a, uh, we serve a variety of capacities, and uh, we have various levels of maturity. I, I get that. That's the direct interpretation. So let's look at the text again here and try to follow along with my thought here. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as are called in one hope of your callings. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, obviously, Paul is... His direct interpretation would be that everyone's going to kind of be at different levels spiritually of maturity. Okay, but all of these differences are there by God's sovereign appointment. You realize that some people just don't have the mental capacities to be the, I don't know, Spurgeons of the world. Clearly I don't. You know who Spurgeon is, all right? And so everyone is at different places, and this is, you know, God and his sovereignty. Yet how often do we see diversity as a hindrance? It was so awesome this week. Myself, Sarah, Mike, and Jessica, soon to be Mrs. Diego, right, in a couple months. You excited, Jessica? Maybe, maybe so, kind of. They're sitting on opposite sides of the church. I don't know what that means. Not starting a rumor. Just kidding. Jessica's parents are here, so I'm having a little fun. Okay, Thursday night, we went down to um, Mountain View, and uh, we heard Tim Keller speak. It was awesome. I almost wish I would have changed the songs that we were going to sing today. And you know what song we sang down there? We sang the song, In Christ Alone. And man, I love that song. Okay, it was great. And we sang that, and then he began to teach on kind of like not, oh, it's amazing how it dovetails with the message. God, It's a God thing. Just kind of like the diversity of our area and the diversity that you find in Christ. It is so awesome to spend a little bit of time with, um, with the missionaries that were here with us last week. Uh, Travis and Sarah, I went out to lunch with them in the afternoon. He's planning a church in Hawaii. I said, hey man, what are your people in your church gonna wear? And he's like, shorts and flip-flops. I'm like, I'm moving to Hawaii. And it's amazing how it's okay because he's in Hawaii because that's what people wear, contextualizing his church. And yet sometimes here on the mainland, we're not allowed to do that. Every single church has to be cooking. No, 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 diversity. Absolutely, there's one spirit. There's one God. There is one Jesus, and we must worship that one. But when it comes down to us, there's going to be some diversity among us. I don't speak Spanish. And I know I should. Shame on me. I should speak Spanish. But I was over at uh, uh, Haidos' getting ready. We're going to pray for him in a moment, getting ready to go off to boot camp and have a little barbecue at their house, and was at the table with his father, Sir Rodriguez, and he did such a great job trying to communicate to me in English. Do you realize that there's such a diversity in our cultures? But in Jesus Christ, I felt so welcome at his table? and yet I am so different. And He's so different. But that in Christ, listen, that's what our friends... I know I'm kind of really applying this to our church, but that's how your friendships ought to be as well. Some serious diversity. Because our friendships are grounded in the Trinity. Okay, we do not have to be the same. There is one God, but there's three persons in the Godhead. Different different functions, if you'll allow me to. So God uses... My final statement here, uses our diversity to accomplish His purpose, which is our growth in grace. Diversity is not an obstacle, but a very significant means to this end. Can I encourage you to examine your friendships? Examine them. So what should should like the vision of our friendships be? Well, if, if I had to summarize Ephesians 4, we'll spend another week in it next week. This is what I'd say. The highest joys of friendship grow in the soil of deepest struggles. Every struggle is an opportunity to experience God's grace. Struggles? Listen to me. They're not obstacles. They're what God wants to use in your friendships. Okay, God's grace to you and to... God's grace to others will often be found in the difficulty of a friendship. Every day in your friendship, you are either pursuing your selfish agenda or God's agenda. Take advantage of grace, follow God, and see the strong, healthy friendship that results. It's work. I know that's a four letter word in our society. It's work. Remove the expectations. Hey, you be the person that is humble, patient. All the things that you want, no, 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 you be that. And then number three, celebrate diversity. Celebrate that God makes people different. And I can say about praise God for that. Because if everyone was like me, yikes. And ask God to help you with your relationships. Next week, we're going to kind of Look at maybe kind of the other side of this. What are some things that hurt our relationships from this text? So every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you to pray and ask the Lord to help you be the friend that you ought to be. Ask him to help you to focus on you and not the other person. So often we want people to be just like us. When heaven is going to be a plethora of so much different. And yet there's one Lord. There's one Spirit. There's one Father. There's one Savior in Jesus Christ. May we celebrate that unity. And then allow diversity in other areas. Father, I take this message and I.